I love microdosing. I love microdosing. Yesterday, I needed to go practice my drums and I popped a little microdose gummy and I'll tell you what happened. I drummed for about a good two hours. That's fabulous. Yeah. I was looking at our new roof, hoping that it wasn't going to leak and I got some anxiety about it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a gummy just to calm down so I can go to sleep and not worry about this. And I did and I had a great night's sleep and I woke up and there was no leak. I've noticed a change in you for the, a positive change. I like to hear that. Yeah. I feel like your mood is like very centered. I'm sleeping much better. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just that right amount of good. And you can get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com promo code pants. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com promo code pants for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com promo code pants. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Here we go. Hey, we're back with another episode of Pants. <laughs> I just gave a little drum. No, you went ba 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 ba. This is what I'm looking for. A little, a little zhuzh, you know, a little. Do you want me to sing the Brazilian happy birthday? No. <laughs> no. Why? That's a happy song. I'm... Yeah, on a birthday. Everyone gets keyed up when they hear the Brazilian happy birthday song. You obviously do. You do too. I see your eyes light up like a Christmas tree. Okay, but it's not a birthday. No, it's not a birthday. For Christ's sake, don't make me get older any faster than I already am. I just had one. Pants. Pants. You know what I was thinking would be fun? (laughs) What? I think it would be fun if there are musicians out there to do covers of the Pants theme song. Okay. They can be acoustic. They can be acapella. They can be on piano. They can be classical versions. I just think it would be really, really fun. Who are we talking to today? Today, we're very excited about this because this is our very good friend who just happened to have been nominated for an Emmy. Really big deal. But we've known this woman for so long. We love her so much. Yep. She's a blast, and we can't wait to talk to her and ask her a million questions. She's a dear, dear friend. We've known her way before she was nominated for Emmys. Actually, when I met her, I think she had gotten an Emmy for Ellen. Yes. She probably already had an Emmy. She already had one. She was a writer for many, many years. I think she already had some Emmys sitting on her mantle. Where is she? There she is. Oh, oh There my she God. is. Brendo. <laughs> Liz, Liz Feldman, the one and only. You look cute, Liz. You guys. How you doing? Well, you know, I think in this new age of constant Zooming, not to brag, but I've had to do quite a, quite a few interviews in this format, and i am gotten pretty good at it, well, guys. God love you for making our, our job on this end a little bit easier than usual. 
You're, you're so welcome. First of all, both of your microphones are so enormous that you, you, you guys just look like a pair of eyeballs floating over an enormous microphone. I was just complaining about how big this fucking microphone yeah, is. Yeah, you should. And how I can't see anyone. And you just see from, you just see this. We should get big googly eyes on the other side. Yeah. It looks like an enormous rocket ship, like in front of your faces. Like it's like swallowing our faces. This is going to play really well at home for the yeah. people listening yes, to the podcast will. with us talking about what we see. Yes, <laughs> and then people complain because we're not doing a YouTube channel. It's our it's our classic move is to talk about visual things that no one can see. Perfect. It's perfect. Yes, you guys have really got Uh-oh. this podcast thing down. Oh, oh. yeah, my internet does suck. Uh oh. Wi-Fi issues. Did this happen when you were talking to the Hollywood Reporter? Maybe. <laughs> it's we have a we have really shitty internet at home. I've been back in the writers' room for season three of Dead to Me, and uh, I I can't work from home. Our internet's not good enough. So where do you go? I actually I you can't I, even go to a coffee shop. No, I know, I know. I um the irony. It's not that interesting, but I have like a a little office. That nobody else... Tell us more. I have a little office that nobody else can go to. It's, it's like a, pro, a pod and nobody, nobody else comes in or out. And, I, and, I, and it has really wonderful internet and it's a great story, the end. <laughs> <laughs> At least it feels like you're going to work every day, though. Guys, if you want more great stories like this, you should listen to, to my podcast, Just a Bunch of Boring Shit with Liz Feldman. <laughs> Friend, you've got a big week. You get nominated. How do you feel? Are you, is it kind of like, is it bittersweet because of COVID and you're going to get dressed up from the, the waist <laughs> above? Like, wh- what do you think? Anything that you can feel good about for two seconds during this very <laughs> dark time, you know, is, is a blessing. So it's a dream come true. You know, who doesn't, who doesn't want to be recognized by their, by their peers and all that? Um, it's really cool. Boy, and do you deserve it. And bo- boy, do those ladies deserve it. Thank we you. talked about this and I saw the Emmys falling on everyone's heads during that scene in season two when they're out by the car. Oh, my God. Yes. I, yes. Just, I love your show so much. Yeah, tell tell the world what you got nominated for. Oh, uh, well, uh, Dead to Me was nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series uh, for the for the Emmys. And uh, both uh, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini were nominated for Best Actress. And our casting directors were nominated for Outstanding Casting. So we got four Emmy nominations. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that one. That's great. Yeah. Nice. I love your show so much. Thank you. I serious. You know how I feel about comedies and I gobble up your show. Thank you. It's the greatest show. Like, too quickly and then it's over and then I have nothing else to watch it is like ice cream it's like eating a carton of ice cream wow it really is it's like a good ice cream that's wonderful right you're like I should stop but I need more much like a Dorito I could also compare it (gasps) by the way I love both ice cream and Doritos, so I really appreciate both of those comparisons. Second seasons of shows are so hard, especially when the first season is is being held to such high caliber. And you matched it and surpassed it, and you killed it. And Whoa. so did everyone in that Thank cast. You. It was just... Thank you so is much. Is that so scary when you go back in the room and you're like, uh-oh, we were so great. What do we do <laughs> right. now? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm the kind of uh, writer or artist or whatever you want to say that like every time I do anything, I'm like always worried. You're always worried? I'm always worried. Yes. I am a worrier by nature. 
I am always um, thinking so deeply and carefully about, you know, what I'm doing and what I'm putting out there. And so, you know, when you're writing the first season of a show, you know, it has its own sort of fears and you don't even know what you're putting. You're just like making something up and you're hoping that people get it and you're hoping that it connects. The expectations are pretty low, you know, because you're you're just sort of like, I don't know, this could go either way. The first season, the way that um, it was received definitely exceeded my expectations you know and then yes it was like a lot of pressure to follow that up so when you go into a like a writer's room for any writer anytime you start anything it's the blank page is the scariest thing it is a very big blank page when you're talking about 10 episodes of a, of a season so yes I was like super super worried going into the second season and also like what do you do you know spoiler alert but like what do you do with a dead body like how do you know like how the hell are we gonna like get out of this one we just worked really hard every day and always trying to answer the question for ourselves like would these people really do this and how would they do it and then how would they feel about it and yeah it is it's pretty terrifying and so going back into season three it's the same thing I'm like oh god what do we do now well that's what I love about your show is it walks that line of like no way to like oh my god of course no <laughs> oh yeah it does. oh no you know what I mean where it's like the ridiculous <laughs> becomes reality and I love that I love that thank you yeah that's but that's how I see life you know it's like it's ridiculous and it's real I have a question for the for the lady in blue you said that when you you when you begin a season it's that blank page and the blank blank page is the the scary part you have some sort of idea correct? Of where this may yeah. go. Oh, yeah. How yeah, many yeah. times do you question your first ideas before you put them on a page? Or do you just stick with that first idea? You know, that's a great question. And I think it's there's a balance. Here's what I'll say. When I when I came up with the idea for the show, and it was like super random, it wasn't like I was like dying to think of a new show or anything like that. Like it just sort of it came to me kind of in an instant, at least the way in which the two women meet each other. I pretty quickly, like over the course of the next month or so, I kind of just sort of had a really strong idea of, of what that first season could be. Now, I come into the writer's room with lots of ideas and notions. Then what happens is you sit in a room filled with incredibly talented writers, all of whom I've sort of handpicked because I admire them or I think they're, you know, amazing on the page or I've heard wonderful things about them. And what happens when you all sort of congregate and start to talk about these ideas is that they are always made better. You know, they're just, they always evolve into something even even more rich than I mm. could have thought of myself. I knew who I wanted these characters to be in their essence. I am always open because for me, I would rather be wrong about something and the show be better for it. You know, I don't need to be right. I just want the, I want the show to be good. So you're open to having the writers um, sort of derail an original thought? Yeah, I mean, I... Or do you stick to it as a creator? You're like, no, 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 no. It depends, you know, it really depends on what the thought is. For example, in season two, I felt really strongly that I wanted Judy to meet this new woman, Michelle. And I, I knew that I wanted it to be a romance. And I knew that I didn't want to talk about it at all. I didn't want to point it out. I didn't want it to be a big deal. I didn't want it to be a, I didn't even want it to be a conversation that needed to be had. I was the only gay person in the room. There were a lot of ideas that came out of like, ooh, like this could create conflict here or maybe Jen says something there. And I knew very, very strongly that that's not what I wanted to do. I, I, I had a really clear vision for how I wanted that relationship to be portrayed 
And I really stuck to it in other ways. Like, for example, the way um, like the way season one ended, you know, uh, without giving too much away, but the very sort of shocking way it ended. That was not my idea. I, that's actually not how I wanted to end the season. But, you know, you get into that room and you get with those talented people. And uh, that was Abe Sylvia, who was my, my co-EP on season one. And he was like, I think that uh, I think that Steve has to die. Cliffhanger. What did how did you want it to end? Mm. I can't tell you. I can't tell you because it's something that may, you know, come up, uh, uh, perhaps, may come back. I loved the relationship that, what was the other, the girlfriend's name? Michelle, played by Natalie Morales, yeah. I love the way that relationship unfolded for that reason that you just said, because it wasn't discussed. Yes. And I'm so tired of seeing gay characters and their relationships being discussed and processed. Make it a non-issue and let's just see like the love and connection that people have instead of dissecting it and making it a gay relationship. Just make it a fucking relationship. Well, it's just like us. I mean, we don't wake up with our girlfriends and go, what are we doing? What We should talk about I'm going to have a gay afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let me make myself a gay coffee and I'll make myself some gay breakfast and maybe I'll have a queer right. shower and then I'm going to go off and run right. some gay errands. That's my old joke. You know, that's your old joke that you pulled off. Like, right. yeah, when you were doing stand up, I don't gay park my car. Yeah. That's probably when we met. Yes. And that's so important, I think, because like it's just people like that's the way to move the conversation forward. Exactly. exactly. Well, also, it felt it fully felt natural for Linda Cardellini's character to just be open to that anyway. Like, exactly. That's who she is as a character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I felt like we had drawn her well enough. You didn't need to like get into a whole backstory on that. But, you know, being gay is is my norm. You know, it's. It's it's just what is. And so we don't have to have these relevatory conversations with friends, you know, where we sit them down and we say, listen, I have to tell you something. I like girls. Like, it's like, yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> I've been I've been kissing a lot of girls lately. I've, I've seen your uh, your your lesbian talk show. So I, I get it. There's one example of uh, me sort of just doing what I what I want to do. <laughs> Can I address something? Because I yes. think um, it, it, that when I first met Liz Feldman, it was what, in 2007 or 2008? It was something I think it was two, 2008. I had the biggest crush on Liz Feldman. <gasps> Come on. You knew I had a crush on you. You were. I know. I know. So charming and so refreshing. And I was, I was like, who is this rad woman? And now she's like, you're like one of my like dearest friends. I just have to say out there, I was smitten. For the Liz Feldman. You were. You were. Thank you for admitting that publicly. I really appreciate it. I just think it's a cute or it's a cute origin of our friendship. It is a cute origin of our friendship. And and listen. Why did nothing happen, you guys? <laughs> um Oh. Listen, a lady never tells. Why? Listeners wanna know. I will just say that I was smitten as well. And I think we realized pretty quickly that we were meant to be friends. Exactly. How about that? Uh, dear, dear, dear close friends. Dear, dear, dearest close friends. Yes. And you know, I love you to death. And we're both happily married. And Exactly. Exactly. Everything worked out the way it was supposed to work out. <laughs> Leisha, Leisha's face right now is really, really funny to me. <laughs> more details i mean i i have heard some things and i've forgotten them already but you don't you you don't have a memory dory so like the like you were there in 2008 or 7 or whatever it was i met you guys on the same day actually you were there yeah i was 
when you wait, can I tell the story? <laughs> I'll tell the- exactly. Dory over here doesn't remember. So, guys, uh, let me set the scene for you. It's 2008, and just just because sometimes we are living stereotypes, we're at Dinosaur, <laughs> and um, I was performing a much coveted like 2 p.m. stand up set. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I was there to do stand up, but I li- it was like literally like the middle of the afternoon, and I don't even think it was like off stage. Like it was like we were just like in a room. No, you were like, on just in a room. You're on the same level as the audience. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for the for the stark reminder. But I knew that like the L word girls were going to be you know there. I was I was obviously excited. I was a huge fan, obviously, of course, as I had to be. I was like doing my set. I, I came off the quote unquote stage, which really means I just moved across the floor. <laughs> and I was like, holy, oh my God, like there's Shane and Alice. Oh my God, they're here. And I was like so excited and nervous. And then Kate, very sweetly, and this tells you like kind of all you need to know about Kate, she started the conversation and she was like, I'm such a big fan. And I literally, I thought my, I thought like my, my pants were just going to fall off right there and then because I, <laughs> how are you a fan of mine? Like I'm like this, like nobody, like schlocky little lesbian comedian, but you had like seen my, I, I was a, one of the people that helped to recap the L word for after Ellen. Yeah. Rose Rollins said, you got to watch this show. There's a girl on it. She's not a regular. She's a guest. She's the one with blonde hair. Her name's Liz something. She makes me laugh. And Rose Rollins has the best sense of humor. So I thought if this could. She always showed us the funniest stuff. Yeah. So if this was vetted by Rose, you know, it's good stuff. And I watched it and I was like, who the fuck is that? That girl is hysterical. And I love her. Who is this? And that's why I geeked out on you. From this like little silly like vlog, you know, back when we called them vlogs. Like that's what that's what it was from. I thought I was so cool that like you even knew who I was. And so and I think we like kind of instantly started all hanging out. Like yes. we yeah, you know, right I feel away. Like right I, off the bat. We just like totally hit it off. And that's that's how we met. Didn't we all get really high and sit yes. on the roof of Dinosaur and look down? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this was an era when all of us used to go out and mm-hmm. be social. We used to go to bars. We used to drink. We used to play pool. We used to be out past 11. It was a big moment in our yes, lives. Yes, this was definitely a, a pre-COVID uh, we time. We play pool. Yes, we used to shoot pool. It's true. This was like a pre-40, like turning 40 time. Like, I think we were like in our early yeah. 30s or something. when. Yeah, because I hadn't even met Rachel oh, yet. Well, that's why you were at Dinosaur. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I was. You were looking for your wife. I was only doing that 2 p.m. stand up set to, to troll for potential wives, of course. <laughs> You've had a really interesting career. You started as a. I don't know. Liz, why don't you tell us about your career? Please don't make me. Please don't make me do this. Well, I. I do want to talk about this just out because. Oh, I was going to bring that up. It was one of the best shows on the internet that and I'm surprised it didn't become an actual TV show first of all thank you thank you so I started doing you know I started doing this just out actually Kate was my first guest and it was probably really shortly after we met so it was right. in the spring of 2008 you know I loved making this just out so much it was a, a really very DIY like right from from my house you know getting friends to come in and shoot it for us and you know Ramy who's one of my best friends like those early days of making the show were like truly some of my like happiest sort of creative memories 
memories because it was always a party. We'd shoot one or two um, episodes a day and then everybody would just stay and we would hang out. And, you know, it was uh, it was such a good time. It's you had your Kool-Aid glass with a little bit of vodka and some vitamin water. That's right. Exactly. And we would sit if you were waiting to to be next, you would watch what you were shooting mm-hmm. in the living room. It was oh, really God, fun. that was fun. So you were like the audience and then the it was, guests. It was really fun. I made, obviously, so many friends from doing the show, like both of you. And also, it's really how I met Rachel. It was way more than just a show to me. It was really like a like a lifeline. The best part about it was how many people it was able to reach, you know, because I was starting to hear from young women from like literally all over the planet and getting like these incredible... Uh, messages like on literally MySpace probably because it was a hundred years ago. <laughs> like I wasn't doing the show for any kind of commercial reasons or any kind of, you know, amb- with no ambition, basically. Um, I am a very ambitious person and I have, have always sort of taken my career, you know, incredibly seriously, but this was always sort of my passion project. And I never wanted to commodify it because I never wanted it to change I didn't want the show to become something that I had to, you know, filter or like, I didn't want anybody telling me what I what I could or couldn't do with oh, it. Oh, you're like Alice. Well, I was just going to say, do you think Alice Piazeki ripped you off? <laughs> no, I don't think she ripped me off. I do think that there's obviously a there's a simpatico thing. I, I actually I disagree. I, I think she did rip you off. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, listen, I'm flattered. I'm super flattered. Do you ever but, consider um, bringing it back, though? Is that something I know you're busy now, but is that something you think about with Raimi? I do think about doing it. it while it's only like this sort of little side passion project, it is actually quite a lot of work, you know, because I like everything yeah. I do. I'm not just going to do it, do it half ass. Like I, I really want to think about who I'm bringing on and getting the right people there to help me make it. And then the editing and all it, it takes a lot of time. I never want to just do it in a way that feels kind of like haphazard or even though it is like in and of its essence, rather haphazard. I, you know, it is a dream to be able to maybe, you know, take something like this just out and, and make it for a larger platform or, you know, yeah, there's there's definitely a part of me that, that always thinks about like returning to that sort of talk show thing. If Alice can do it. You can do it. Or if you can do it, Alice can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Ladies, we can all bond over this one. Imagine a bra that you actually want to wear. They're hard to find. We all know it. We've been through how many bra many. brands? Ugh. And you're like, I like this about it, but not this, or they're just uncomfortable. Well, today's sponsor, Honey Love, has revolutionized the bra game. It's real. Say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. It's cool. It's like these little, I can't even describe it, like these little bone things and it's like, I don't know how they do it, but it's brilliant. Plus, they've made fabric that's so soft, it feels like second skin. So you immediately feel and see the difference. So it's next level comfortable. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off, honeylove.com slash pants. Now, after you purchase, they ask you where you heard about them. Please, please support our show and tell them pants sent you. Honeylove.com slash pants. Treat yourself to honey love because you deserve it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. So on the night of the Emmys, what is the situation? Like, are you doing it from where I'm looking at you right now? I don't I don't have an answer yet for that. You know, we got like a really lovely letter from the people who are producing it saying, you know, that obviously things are going to be different. They still want it to be really special and entertaining and all of that. So it's such a dream to be, you know, even like invited to the party. Of course, I wish it was like a sort of a normal everyday thing because I would love to be be yeah, where you could actually go. Yeah, go to the yeah. party. Are they sending home kits like yeah. Emmy home kits with carpets and little red carpets? Oh man, I have no idea. I really don't know. It's I don't know that they have it all figured out, but. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly hope that, like, I'll be able to at least be somewhere with the people that we made the show with, our other producers and writers, and I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, you know, that both ladies were nominated, and I'd love to all be together, yeah. but I, don't, I just don't know if, if that's even logistically possible. Oh, I want to know what you're going to wear. Like, are you getting a stylist? Is it that kind of thing? <laughs> uh, of course. I don't know. I mean, like, do people just get dressed up from the, you know, like the waist down? You don't really worry about it. Like, I'm. I, these are genuine questions. I, I wondered to myself when I sit at home. My best guess is that it's not going to be shot on Zoom. That there probably will be something uh, a bit more elevated in terms of like a camera. I imagine I will need to wear pants. I do think pants will be a part pants. of the equation. <laughs> I'm certainly open to having somebody dress me because uh, that is not my forte. I disagree. I think you have great style. Thank you, Leisha Haley. I mean it. You do have great style, It's but it's trying to figure out what you're going to wear. I look at my clothing and I'm like, oh, right. I forgot about clothes because I just kind of wear the same thing every day. Yeah. Like I haven't worn jeans since April. I mean that. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's I, I've I've I think I've worn jeans like twice in the last four months, and both times it felt like an assault on my. <laughs> yes, um, you're like this sucks. I don't want to wear jeans <laughs> on my being. You're like, do we do? We used to do this every day. We used to wear jeans. <laughs> no way. No, I'm I'm a soft pant girl now for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm elastic waistband mm-hmm. all the way. That's mm-hmm. going to be like the new fashion trend in 2021. Everything's going to be loungewear, like very high quality loungewear. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Guys, it's so funny because I'm so used to interviewing you. We're getting used to interviewing. I know we're not that good at it yet, but we're, do you th- are we doing okay? You're doing great. What are you talking about? It's a conversation. Okay. All right. Well, you know. And we're just shooting the shit. Yeah, we're just shooting the shit. We're hanging out. But it is an art form to, to do a good interview. And It's an art form. So we're like, let's not do that. Let's just bring our friends on. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the art form is the point. Yeah, exactly. Let's not insult the art form. (laughs) Do you feel that you've reached the top? Are you like now you're 
blossoming? <laughs> like, is your brain exploding with ideas? Are you like, this is just the beginning? I can't wait to do this, that, this, that, and that. It's a weird thing, like, when, you know, good things happen. And, you know, when you actually kind of set out to... What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually... That's a genuine question. That's a genuine question. Tell us. We want to know. You guys are you guys are funny. I'm a very goal oriented person, and I'm and I'm definitely a, a workaholic type of gal. It's something you know I have pretty solely focused on for you know most of my life, and I think what I will say is that there is something just as magical about striving and dreaming about the thing that you want as it is actually achieving that thing. What I mean by that is like there's so much like desire and like hope excitement in 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 hoping for something and dreaming for something and in in wanting something and I've always dreamed about being nominated well winning an Emmy you know and a, a primetime Emmy it's such a weird thing but when when something like this actually then happens or you know, you get nominated like it never quite feels like what you think it's going to feel like it's exciting and it's very gratifying but in some ways the the striving for it is almost a deeper feeling, if that makes sense. It does. I completely... Makes total sense. Yeah. And so I like to strive and I like to dream. So yes, I, I am definitely... I in no way feel like, like oh, well, I've made it and I'm done. Like I'm like, ooh, what else? Like what else now? What else? Like what other dream can I come up with? And what, o- what other show do I want to make, you know, after, after Dead to Me is over? And what else can I do that will excite me creatively and sort of keep me engaged you know and like bring me to that next place in life i mean i have lots of ideas and i'm very excited i i have a a a new partnership with netflix so you know whatever i make next will will also be on netflix you know and that's really exciting because they kind of let you do what you what you really want to do not the same sort of rigmarole as you know making stuff for a network do you think you'll ever move out of comedy are you interested in doing things that aren't funny well you know the short answer is no because i don't know how to do things that don't have some element of, of comedy because I, I'm not interested in that. Dead to me is a pretty good expression of, you know, the range of things I like to do because it is all of those things in one. It is a drama sometimes and it is a thriller and a mystery and like just like a buddy comedy. I think I would like to continue to sort of stretch our idea of like what genre can be, what a, what a one story can entail because in the way that I look at life is like... Any given day is like a fucking drama that turns yeah. into a buddy comedy, you know, that becomes a, a mystery by the end, you know. So I want to keep, you know, telling stories in that way. Liz, you're the one person I know who's actually had a good 2020. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's weird. It's really weird because... You get a great show. I'm really lucky. You get Now you're with Netflix. You, again, you get nominated. Thank you. You get picked up, but you don't have to worry about going back anytime soon because now you're in the writer's room. I mean, truly. Yes, I'm really... You're like the luck of the Irish. <laughs> it's true. I want to talk more about your what you were saying about you've always been a workaholic, right? And you've always been full of amazing ideas and you've always actually done the ideas that you've thought of. You don't sit back on them. Yeah. I know a lot of people that work hard, you know, that don't necessarily... Right. They're, or they're not, they're not fulfilled or they don't really make the project or Mm -hmm. what's the what's your secret sauce to 
actually working hard, coming up with great ideas, and then achieving them, and then getting rewarded. You know, I I don't know. I wish I, if I if there was a way to sort of bottle that up and and sell it, I definitely would try to. But like, I oh, feel yeah. in some ways like I was born under a lucky star on on some level, and I've actually been told that by by an astrologer. <laughs> it is definitely working hard is this, definitely the biggest piece of that puzzle. And I think that people, honestly, I do think that some people think that they work hard, but I don't think that they work as hard as they think that they think that they do. Hard hard work is not fun, you know, and it is limitless. Knowing like why you're doing what you're doing is really important. When I look at the things that I'm most proud of, like for example, this just out, I was doing that because I wanted to connect with other gay women. I it was a need. I was I was trying to make friends. I was like trying to, you know, build a community. And then when it started to build and 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 I was starting to get feedback from people saying that it meant something to them that it was helping them come out or that it was helping them, you know, have conversations with their parents or whatever. That gave me a really strong why. You know, I I wanted to keep doing it because I felt like it had purpose. A lot of creative people get disconnected from their purpose because it's just about getting that show on the air or like getting that getting that role. You know, what I realized my purpose is, is like I'm a storyteller and I have the ability to go through my own hardships and difficulties and, you know, grief and loss. And I have been blessed with the ability to turn that into entertainment. That's sort of what I can attribute it to is like hard work understanding why you're doing something, connecting it to your purpose, and then like sticking with your vision. I also am surrounded by incredibly supportive people. I love your answer. Oh, yeah. What about attitude when things get hard, when they've gotten hard for you? What, what about that? Do you think people give up because they feel victimized or the world just isn't giving them what they want? Oh, I deserve to be where I'm not. Right. And I would say there's no such thing as deserves for sure. And that's actually a line from Dead to Me that one of the characters says, like, I don't really think that's a thing. I can't yeah. say enough about hard work, but like, you know, my father, I grew up with the principle, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Of course, I have faced incredible, you know, failure. And I've heard the word no so many, way more times than I've heard the word yes. Yeah, you have to have resilience, you know, resilience. If you don't, if you don't have that, not just for the entertainment business, but just in life, like it is an incredible muscle that you have got to build in, in life if you want anything, you know, even if you want a good relationship, because obviously we've all been broken up with, we've all had, you know, sort of our share of heartbreak. But like, if you don't have the resilience to go, okay, that was bad, but that doesn't mean the next thing is going to be bad or that was bad, but I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take those lessons and bring them into that next thing. Not everybody has like a totally thick skin. And I don't, and certainly if we're talking about entertainment, I just don't think a lot of people are cut out, you know, to deal with the rejection that you deal with. Kate, yes, I do. I, I, I do feel like so weirdly lucky that my 2020 professionally has been really good, which is a really at odds with how I feel, <laughs> you know, as a human being and as, a, as an American and as a sensitive person in this world, it, it's definitely at odds with that. You know, it, it takes a certain amount of self-love because you have to keep getting back up and you have to know that like when you get a bad review or when if your show gets canceled, that it's actually really not about you. I'm still sort of working on that because... 
as my profile grows, you know, people say terrible things. You do face a lot of really sort of strange behavior from, from people coming at you. And I, I, you just sort of have to learn to like filter certain things out and be kind to yourself. You can't read the comments. It's just, that's rule number one. <laughs> Don't read the comments. Right. It's not like, it's just not. That's probably true. It's not your business. And it's, everyone's going to have an opinion. It doesn't mean you have to be privy to all of them. It really doesn't. Exactly. Well, exactly. I would just like to say, I think your, your answers were so incredible. And I, I do think you deserve everything that's come your way. All of your projects and who you are as a person, they have been full of depth. Like there, there's something to it. And I think now I know the reason it's because you always approach it with purpose. And I think that's an incredible thing to know about you because you can feel it when you watch it or even your standups. You're not just a hard worker. You are a hard worker, but you're not just a hard worker. And I, I like hearing how you approach everything you do in life. I do too. Because we know that as a friend. Thank you. So thanks for sharing that. And that's just me, by the way. And I bet there's a lot of, you know, very successful people out there who don't do any of those things and approach it from a totally different (laughs) angle. Yeah, but we're not talking to them. Right. Good point. Who cares? No, no, we don't care about them. Fuck those guys. (laughs) (laughs) I want to I want to know, like, how has it been making this podcast? Uh, We were just saying it feels like we're accomplishing something, this little tiny idea after a month it felt like we were responsible adults. and But we knew you would appreciate this because it feels a lot like when you were doing this just out with the setup of everything. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's harder work than you would think. You don't just like push record and it all happens magically. Yes. I think it's been pretty smooth sailing with you and I. Leash? Yeah. Don't you think? I do. I agree. You're a great, you're a great partner in it. Oh, you guys are the cutest. Here's the thing. I haven't listened to all of them, full disclosure, but what I have listened to, like, it's just so lovely because you guys are really, truly best friends. And it's like, who doesn't want to hang out with two people who really enjoy each other, who are also adorable and funny. And, you know, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing it. And I was, like, waiting for the invite to come on. I'm like, I get it. I wasn't on the L word, but, like, come on. You know what I mean? Oh, stop it. <laughs> That's been the beauty and freedom with this is that it's just ours. We can have whoever we want on. So we're so excited to have you because you're a dear friend. I appreciate it. I feel special. And that was before the Emmy, by the way. <gasps> yeah, That's that was true. Emmy, by the way, Liz. This has nothing to do with the Emmys. That's true. Yeah, so. I was going to say, that said, that said, if I lose. We might not air this episode. <laughs> No, I get it. Winners only. I if you lose, I am not going to see you again. There's no point. <laughs> <laughs> that brought me to quick. Have you ever had a partner like what Kate and I are doing where you collaborate? Or do you like working as a solo creator? No, I love I love collaborating. I've had many different sort of comedic partners over the years. How incredible it is when you meet somebody that like you have that creative spark with and how rare it is. I am a people person. I love to connect with other people. I am also a control freak. So I think for me, being a sort of solo creator is, is probably the right path. But then I get to hire, you know, friends and great writers to work with That's me. Funny. So when you hire your writers for every season, like what are the qualities in the people you hire? Well, you know, it's funny when I for season one of Dead to Me, because I had never really written a show like this before. I knew I wanted there to be elements of drama and mystery and thriller. So I did seek out certain writers uh, or at least I, I looked at certain shows. That is my preference is always to people the room with 
you know, writers who I honestly think are better than I am at certain things. You know, I'm not interested in being the best writer in the room. I always want to learn from every experience. Now, you also want to give people a shot. So then, of course, you're going to hire writers that are coming up and just starting out. You want the show to be as good as possible. It doesn't mean that you have to be the best person in the room in order to achieve that. That's a good lesson from Liz Feldman. Yeah, that was great. You really doled out some pearls of wisdom today. <laughs> yeah, that was like a solid therapy session. <laughs> Guys, I, <laughs> I feel like I learned. I also was genuinely curious to find out your answers. You really went into the the question and dug out the little the sweetness in it. You gave a TED talk without realizing it. That's what you did. <laughs> I'm going to say, Liz, seriously, you came on here so we could shoot the shit, but you gave us a TED talk. I needed that little kick in the ass, and I appreciate it. And we're so grateful that you joined us on our little pants. Yeah, part. it was a Liz talk. You guys, it was I'm, a Liz talk. I don't know who TED is. Yeah, that is true. Fuck Ted. It was Liz. Thank you for for giving me this platform to spread my all my isms. <laughs> love you guys. Love you back. I love you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Love you tons, friendo. Bye. Oh, ciao. Bye. Pants. Pants. Thank you for listening to Pants Up Podcast brought to you by Leisha Haley and Kate Manning. Listen and subscribe on Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want us to keep going, hit the subscribe button to follow us on Twitter. At The Pants Pod, if you like us, leave a review on iTunes. We'll read every single one of them. You can email us at pantspodcast at yahoo.com. We'll answer a few questions every week. Rachel Shirley is our editor and producer in the UK. Theme song by Carolina Parra. Graphics by Love Fox. Pan. Pan.